Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 44. Just a reminder, you can find my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at callthatgirl.podbean.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. For those of you that are new to the show, this show is about Office 365, Microsoft Outlook, and Microsoft Exchange Migrations. I also sell a handful of ebooks, uh, mostly uh, sold to technicians. You can check them out at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. And before we get going for this week's show, which I have a special treat for you all, I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsor, AppRiver. They are my preferred vendor, excuse me, preferred vendor for all my Office 365 sales and support. And you can uh, email my rep, Steve Harris, sharris at appriver.com if you want to talk to him and find out what they can do for you and your business. Okay, this show is going to be a little different, gang. I've got a special guest on today. There's a lot of stories to be told. I'm going to dedicate the whole show to this topic, uh, white label support. And because it's kind of been a hot topic lately, uh, a lot of techs want to get into white label support. And um, before we get going, I'm going to introduce the guest this week, Mr. Alan Reeves from Mouse Call Technology Solutions based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you having me very much. Oh, no problem. It'll be a little interesting twist on the show because usually I try to stick to email and office. And a few shows ago, I did one with uh, with um, uh, Cecil Glenn. So that was about SEO. And I was like, yeah, we'll twist it up and do this topic because we're so engaged in you know t- uh, client support and technology. So, Alan, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks a little bit about you and the business and what you folks do down there in Nashville. No worries. Um, Mouse Calls is like many other other small IT providers. Um, we were founded uh, in February of 1998, um, started the business. So uh, one thing uh, that I can always say is it predates Google. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we just celebrated our 18th year. Um, we... We have serviced over 8,000 entities, uh, mostly in the Nashville area. We offer a hybrid model. We have a storefront with, um, you know, repair options. We can sell hardware. We don't keep an inventory. Um, that keeps the numbers low, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do quotes, et cetera. Um, and we began the move into uh, more of a managed services subscription services model in 2008, or so, uh, launching an iteration of Kaseya um, that we had, uh, and you know, currently um, we have we've been working with uh, actually a couple of business coaches. Um, one of which I've known for many, many, many years. One of which you were kind enough to uh, to steer my way, and uh, we've had very, very good luck as of late with uh, new service plans. New um, new items that I will freely admit right here are not on our website yet mm. because uh, we are we're moving them very very well and Good. we don't want to we don't want to be overwhelmed we don't want to do something <laughs> wrong we want our processes exactly right so uh, that's that's exactly what we're doing and that that kind of uh, that kind of ties into the subject of your show today yeah. actually. 
Well, that's what, uh, like Alan was saying, we have and it's funny is he's coaching you to do totally something different than what I hired him to help me do. So it's, uh, he's, right. you know, I'm not trying to pitch him, but the point is, is that, you know, when you get a coach, you tell them what your needs are, what you want to do, and they help you get there. Uh, so that's how Alan and I got kind of connected was we were talking about, um, on a tech forum, uh, he was putting out there that he was looking for some white label support. And I said, well, I happen to be using a company. Now, um, Alan, why don't you go ahead and tell people why you want white label support or, or tech support help, and then I'll explain why I do. Well, I, I mean, it honestly goes back to the very first days of my business. Um, I was a one-man show, Chuck in the truck, if you will, for the first, <laughs> yeah, for the first five and a half years of, of mouse calls. And, you know, back then, um, I, I referenced Google earlier. It w just wasn't well known in the late nineties, yep. two thousand. Um, I would find myself, you know, out in the out in the field, on site, accountable to the client because they're right there and running, you know, hit a wall. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm searching Hotbot and Alta Vista and Dogpile for the answer on a dial-up connection. <laughs> you know, the the technology that we have today. Um, I, it would have been so nice to be able to pick up the phone or have somebody that was competent work working under the auspices of of my company picking up that overflow without taking on a full fledged employee because yeah. I know from experience that that can be a real blessing or a real nightmare yeah. and um, white label uh, although anathema to some people. Does if it's done right, I believe it does give you the ability to scale. And uh, as yeah. <laughs> we've both learned some uh, hard lessons in that regard about what happens when it's done wrong. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> um, that that's really the kicker to me is a quality sort of um, I, I don't want to say outsourcing option because you don't want to lose control of the quality of the services that you're providing, but um, but assistance something that can take that buffer overflow, just yeah. manpower, so to speak. Yeah. We're going to hit upon some of these points. I've, I've got more than just free talk going on. I've actually in the show coming up, I've got some distinctive topics that we will talk about. And, um, of course I'm going to ask anybody that has feedback or wants to add on to the conversation to email me. There's so much to learn about this business and it, there's really a lot to it. I mean, there's, here's what I'm going to tell you, Alan, is that there's white label support which white label means they should be doing business on your behalf without the clients knowing that they they don't work for you. You know, they don't have their own company. Right. That's the point. But since most of the people I worked with, uh, they wanted to, well, so let's put it this way. Sometimes it just kind of moved off to where they started emailing from their own company name, and I was comfortable with that. So I actually had to switch it to be called them tech partners. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because my clients would be emailing with them, and then I got so comfortable, which I'm okay with having a tech partner like that. That doesn't bother me at all. you know. But there's a difference. There's white label, which is supposed to be seamless, and your clients think that they work for you. Then there's tech partners, which we don't hear a lot about tech partners. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I do completely. And, and, uh, and our guy turned into a tech partner <laughs> for me. Well, yeah, I understand that. I mean, that, and that's that's been the rub for me as well. That's been one of the biggest obstacles mm -hmm. to uh, what I would consider uh, as far as a white label partner because uh, Mouse Calls has 
four years cultivated a very, yeah. very sterling reputation here. We've got a 96% client satisfaction rate. We've got a net promoter score of 82. And we have big box stores that send clients to us when they nice. hit walls. And so it's, it's a good place to be. And the last thing that I want to do is add an element that would be mm. detrimental. We, when, when we do bring people on board our staff, they tend to stick around a while. Ergo, clients get to know them very well. Mm-hmm. And when you introduce something that may be a bit unfamiliar or is not seamless, then it, you know, it might raise a flag or two. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing you want to do as a business owner. Yeah. And I've let that happen to me without saying anything negative. I've worked with three white label partners in the past. And this happened because in 2013, I closed my third store and it was just me. And, and let me just tell you, Alan, for three months, well, maybe four or five actually, it was just me covering two cities that I still had to go on site for or do stuff because I had stores there and had to you know, finish up stuff and remote. And that's where I was really challenged. So I had to go out and figure out what to do. Uh, I was overworked. I didn't have anybody to help me. And I was really burning the candle both ends. So when I first read about white label support uh, back then, um, I didn't know much about it. And mm-hmm. I think when I jumped in and did the first the first company, um, I believe that they did it under their company name. So they weren't really white label. They were more of right. a tech partner, which I was okay with. And at the time, my, my clients all knew I was buried. So I was like, look, I hired this company. I've known the owner for years, so I trust them. And I did at that point. So the thing is, when you tell your clients, look, I've known this company for a long time, you know, there's a level of trust and they're okay with that. Um, and then just through the, through the, the years of working with all these companies, I'm finding out more things. And so I guess what I'm going back to here, Alan, is you are thinking about starting a, um, a, a white label company, right? We're, we're playing with different scenarios and certainly considering it strongly. Um, it would, it would certainly also be based on what we discover as far as interest and what people truly need out there, yeah. we don't want to. We don't want to create. Uh, we don't want to create a, a beast where we are selling hardware or services no. or software as a service. Essentially, it would be um, more or less a, a backup system uh, or a hybrid. Uh, you know, tier one tech support slash answering service mm-hmm. slash dispatcher. For the small guys uh, that that could really use that, like I, you know, like I used to be, and we're not going to do it if we can't do it right. And again, we're very, you know, it's very, very preliminary. But uh, again, we're gauging interest and in yeah. finding out what people really want. Yeah, and I think that one thing that I liked initially, and we're gonna, like I said, I got this topic outline here, is that they did. Well, I've had three different partners. Each one of them, I let them do different things. So. One of them actually took overflow calls. One of them had gave me an 800 number, and I sent people there myself. And then I've just had lots of different things going on. So that's part of the thing that I want people to understand is uh, some of the benefits of white label support, just things to be aware of. Uh, the, the benefits of it is the big part of our, our show today. There's a lot of benefits to having a good white label partner. One is profit. <laughs> I mean, you want to make yes. money. That's the point is to, what you call it, scale and get bigger? You know, because, I mean, if you're a one-person show like me, you can't do it all. 
All right, so let's start off, Alan, uh, with the first topic here. Let me get to my notes. Is um, why somebody would need a white label support or tech partner. And the first thing I put in here is just have tech backup, which you just said that that you know if your business if you're going to uh, create this business, techs like uh, the one man shop out of Iowa. They're like, look, I'm getting too many calls. I want someone to, you know, there's two things they could do remote or they could remote into your computers at your shop, right? Well, exactly. And the analogy that I make, honestly, Lisa, is it's it's kind of like a managed service provider for IT companies. If you if you're a business owner and you have a, a heating and air company and you've got 25 employees, why do you bring on a small MSP? instead of hiring an IT guy because you're going to get tons more services and tons more accountability for less than half the cost of hiring the full-time employee. Yeah. When when I when I brought on my first full-time employee in 2003, he was he was, you know, he was his bona fides on paper were phenomenal, but almost out of the gate I got complaints from clients about how oh. he would talk to them too much. Um, he would he would constantly, you know, back then flash memory was a lot more expensive. I think I dropped seventy dollars on a <laughs> two hundred and fifty six <laughs> meg flash drive for him, and he would leave it every on every appointment that he went to. Um, it just these uh. constant, you know, these constant little things. And I had initially decided that I was going to pay him. Um, I was going to pay him a base rate and then a percentage of what he billed out. Yeah. And in our negotiations. Um, he, you know, I really wanted the guy because, like I said, he looked fantastic on paper. He had three children. His wife wouldn't go for that, so I paid him a full salary, and it spent quite a few months learning a very hard lesson. And you know, had had a true outsourcing, a good quality outsourcing option been available that provided, you know, answering uh, answering the line in an overflow or as primary, yep. uh, a good quality tier one remote support, possibly even a tier two, um, that I was paying, you know, a flat fee for, mm-hmm. uh, then I knew exactly what I was getting for what I was paying for. And they kept it simple. I could have scaled mouse calls much more easily and much better than yep. the, the Rocky road that I took, which was bringing on staff and, yep. It's it's really the same thing. You, it's just it's a it's a service that you're buying into, and uh, many times it makes sense. Yeah, well, I think moving ahead, if I was to ever reconsider having a new you know white label support or tech partner, um, which I'm actually not considering, so I shouldn't even answer that question. <laughs> I'm actually done. <laughs> but let's just say, let's say that 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 that, that ever happened again. Uh, I actually still was kind of comfortable with uh, what I had, which was the clients knowing they were tech partners. And I actually liked that the tech partners build my clients. I know that sounds really off the wall and backwards, but for me, I don't like invoicing. I don't like it. I don't want to deal with it. it I've had enough headaches in my life with it. And uh, anyway, I just don't even talk about it anymore. We'll move on to the next topic. So, so I have a lot on this topic here. So why do you need white label support or tech partners? So the list was just for backup tech support for you. And you went on and said, uh, um, you know, you could outsource or you can have the people for the phones. The next thing was phones. A lot mm-hmm. of techs want 24 seven tech support answered by techs. 
that they want that. They want twenty four by seven. A lot of a lot of clients, you mean? Well, or? no, like a, a, a like our p- people in our industry, if they want white label support, they want someone to answer the phones twenty four seven. You know, I had a very surprising finding um, when we did our client satisfaction survey back in January. And keep in mind that that mouse calls clients are typically um, small businesses, um, small home offices, or residential users. Yeah. Who, you know, it's it's almost always ten seats or less. And there is usually, I mean, if there is a server in the environment, it's probably. Uh, uh, like a, a Buffalo Terra station running Windows storage server or something along that line. We did a survey asking people if they wanted 24-7 support. And mm-hmm. the vast, I mean, 3% expressed an interest. Yeah. And then I think there were 7% that said they might be interested if it was the same price, which I think we both know that's not going to happen. No. Um, not, a, not for U.S.-based tax. Exactly. <laughs> if you want and, to put India, sure. <laughs> yeah, which which is something that we're not going to do. We're ever. No. Uh, no. We're not, and that's what people say all the time. There's never going to be overseas. I never have to deal with overseas, or you're not. You know, you're not going to no. somehow connect your phone tree to Comcast, are you? And, and no, <laughs> it's just <laughs> we're, we're never going to do that. It's all about the quality control. But but the thing is, it, it got me to thinking, and I've talked to people about it as well. Businesses that size, businesses that can be served by the small provider, a 10-person business is not going to have a second or third shift. It's just that the demand is not there on the smaller side. Now, it certainly is. um, It certainly is on the on the larger side uh, and on the enterprise side of business. But you know, that's where you get into the point where um, you're going to pay. You know, I think uh, Continuum, for example, you've yeah. got to you've got to use their RMM, and if I'm not mistaken, it's a little over twenty two dollars a month per machine to have help desk accessible from that machine. I know Live Virtual Help Desk uh, with the with their Ninja uh, offering is uh, upwards of somewhere twenty five thirty, I think. Uh, so it really is also mm-hmm. about what you're deploying and what makes sense. Because that, that's another thing to remember is a lot of help desks, if they don't have immediate access or if they are not controlling the RMM or remote yeah. solution, they won't help you. There's 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 not much out there that services the small uh, or Soho yeah. market. I think that's, you know, now that you brought that up, I'm like, there's actually like two shows in this show. One could be just the break fix white label support. The other one is MSP level because I, I know that uh, there's a lot of folks in there. There's a difference. My people aren't on managed services all the time, and but they want, but I need them for tech. So I need I need to give them tech support, mm-hmm. you know. So they're not on. Some of them were, but a lot of them weren't. So not to confuse people that are listening, but if let's say you own a a, a computer repair business, let's just say again in the middle of America, and you're like, I need someone to help me and back up, uh, you know, the MSP stuff that might be too big. You know. It- yeah, yeah. I mean, it it can be. Or um, you have what I've discovered is there are a lot of small businesses that have it in their heads that what they're going to be dealing with if they reach out to an MSP is just too much sticker shock. We we did yeah. an audit. Uh, we did an audit with an accounting firm last month, and it's an eight person firm. There there's 
nine workstations. There is no server. There's a 16-port switch, a Comcast modem, and a wireless router, and that is it. Yeah. And they called they called one of the leading IT companies in Nashville to, to get a quote for service. And um, within a day, they had their quote at $1,100 a month. And yeah. they, they just don't need that level. No. Now, other companies do. Don't get me wrong. If, if you are... If it was an eight-person dentist office with HIPAA concerns or financial mm-hmm. services or uh, a niche industry that required security, I mean, it's all about the nature of the business and what they're doing. Yeah. But if it, mom and pops, they're not going to do that. It's not in the budget, and they're not going to go for it, and, or, or then they shouldn't, or, or they're being robbed. And um, they also – they know they need something that's better than the – you know, the high school kid down the road that's a computer hobbyist or the brother-in-law that maybe used to do yeah. IT 10 years ago, that's not really a proper professional solution either. So it's it's that happy medium, that good fit there that we're, that we're looking at, that we are interested in maybe building an yeah. offering for. And again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to sell anybody anything. No. I'm, this, we're very much in information gathering mode, but I know the market's there. Uh, it is. So so that's why I was just saying to folks that there's the MSP level, which is not what we're talking about. Right. This is all stuff that, in fact, that was the next thing on the list is MSP. So I just want to make sure, like, I, you know, what's funny is I just kind of slid into, to, and I, my MSP stuff was very low level, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff that we did was just sold basically the Windows updates, patches, uh, patch management, and antivirus, and uh, tech support for those issues, Right. For the most part, which was just fine. And I actually did really good sales, but that's just like I said, low level MSP. It wasn't all my clients. I didn't force them all onto it. And uh, my my goal is to get tech support. That's what I needed back then mm-hmm. was to back me up, which is what a lot of the listeners here just want. They actually want to manage their own managed services, Alan. Like if they are doing a GFI or Enable or any of these, you know, things that they have their their systems on, their computers and their clients, they want to keep managing that themselves. I think that's the right yeah. course of action. They should, because in the next topic, we're going to talk about what happens if something goes bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. losing control of your clients, which happened to me <laughs> sure. for a very short amount of time. But but anyway, okay, so the next thing um, is why do you want to hire white label support is some people want help with reselling software and getting discounts and things of the uh, like that. Is that something you guys would think about adding or just sticking to strictly tech support and getting the job done? You know something, to be very, very honest with you, anybody that is halfway inclined that is in this industry can find wholesalers or dealers that are selling software for a song yeah. and, and then mark it up and make a little profit on it to your smaller IT shops that maybe either don't want to do that research or don't want to do the work. I, I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in being an entity that, that no. resells software or hardware that way. And I'll tell you, that comes from my own personal philosophy. Um, even in our retail shop, we don't deploy anything yeah. That we cannot manage or be accountable for. We don't. We do not sell. We do not sell a boxed antivirus solution. We do not recommend that a client go buy a copy of Acronis if he wants an image-based backup. We don't do that. 
we yeah. and we'll we'll charge hourly rates to consult people on their own stuff and then have them sign a waiver <laughs> that says you know if their uh, if their hard drive uh, absolutely collapses then we showed them what to do but we weren't watching it so we're not responsible for it. Um, Good call. And that, I just don't. I don't want to. <clears throat> how do I say this? Actually. I'll, I'll preface it. I'll preface the whole thing this way. I learned a very hard lesson years ago in 2010, May of 2010. We had a catastrophic flood hit Nashville. Our neighborhood, our area where our storefront was, was absolutely devastated. Oh my God! I think I saw that video. Um, it was. I didn't have cell phone service for four days. Mm. Uh, we saw countless businesses destroyed due to lack of planning, and I had. Shortly after that, I had um, at least one member of the local chamber of commerce approach me and say, "You know what? Maybe you you really should have forced me into the backup solution that that I was averse to to buying into. I mean, you you knew at the time that it would have been better for me, and you know you let me go on without doing it. And you know maybe there's some liability on your part. I just lost a year's worth of work." Maybe- <laughs> And he's dead serious. Oh, my God. You know, absolutely dead serious. And that's the kind of point where you go, number one, <coughs> number one, there would be people out there that actually listen to that argument and due to whatever reason, they believe that the, the gentleman has a case. And number two, you know what? <laughs> Never going to deploy anything or sell anything that we can't back 100%. And oh, my God. Alan, that's that's like, just – That's yeah. like – People say when we sue McDonald's for getting us fat. Yeah, I mean, really. Well, there was. I'll tell you, it 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 took me back in time again, and this is where this is where all technicians need to think about liability. Um, There was a woman named Julia Merrow, who you may or may not have been familiar with, Lisa. Back in two thousand four or so, she was a substitute teacher at a middle school. In Connecticut, I believe it was rural Connecticut, and she opened up a laptop to do a show. <coughs> pardon me, and pornographic images started popping up immediately. The laptop was infected with uh, with really bad spyware, and it went to court. And a police detective who knew nothing at all about technology stated under oath that he was not aware of any spyware that could cause pornographic images to show up on a computer. And the woman was convicted. Um, a oh, gentleman wow. named gentleman named Alex Eckleberry, who at the time was with Sunbelt Software, got some uh, people in the industry to put together their time and uh, get some pro bono legal help and got everything straightened out. But wow. when the when the flood happened and people are saying that I might be liable for their business information being gone. It got me to thinking because, you know, we had done – how many people, how many businesses had we done break-fix work for that said, they're my IT company. Mouse yeah. Calls is my go-to IT company. But we had nothing in there to know whether they were backing up properly, whether they're yeah. – you know, whether their antivirus is going – so I'm just – I'm not interested in providing that stuff to IT companies. No. We can be We can be their backup as far as – manpower or like i said human capital mm-hmm. but but from a grabbing what i see is just easy profit off selling software i'm not i'm just not there hey you know what here's the the thing i was just telling someone yesterday is uh somebody on facebook in the the group i'm in was like why don't you sell office 365 you can make a killing 
Like, of course I could make a killing. I'd make a whole dollar fifty. Well, <laughs> guess what? I'd make a dollar fifty per sale. Okay, I charge one hundred sixty-nine bucks an hour, so I make more off the labor. Uh, you know what I mean? And and here's the thing: all I can <clears> think <throat> of is, oh my God, someone from six months ago going, Lisa, I bought it from you. You installed it, and now you have to pay for it and support it for free. Because oh, I yeah. sold it to him, and I'm like, bullshit. I am not supporting any of that Microsoft software for free because I get paid to do that, so I don't resell ever. Not doing it. Not I, doing it. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm all about – we're, we're in business to make money. We're in business to make a living and yeah. see how we can scale it and generate a profit no. uh, for the greater good. But sometimes, yeah, you're absolutely right. It it doesn't – or it, oh it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. No, it isn't. So I think the next thing on my list here, I put hours, but I think I really meant hours of availability, which is like – so let's say you work 9 to 5, your shop is closed, you want uh, a live person to answer the phones – and that's one thing that white label partners will do is answer your phones for you. They're like an answering service. Right. And they can do the tech work or just send you the message. So that's the one thing most of them do. But I'm like I'm talking the smaller firms now, not the big, you know, the big ones the, that are gigantic. We're right. talking about the small ones. So that's the first thing you want is the tech tells will just step in and do the work. Right? <laughs> That well, best case scenario, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you know, you'll have somebody call yeah. up. Let's say they've gotten home from work at seven thirty at night, and child has a uh, child has a paper due tomorrow, and for whatever reason, mm -hmm. uh, the printer's not showing up, or you know, print spoolers crashed, or yeah. who knows. Yeah. But they get a you know they get a live human being that typically is going to be a tier yeah. one uh, job, and it can be knocked out. And boy, you know, if that client thinks that you did it. Uh, and your company is responsible, <laughs> then you're the hero. And you know what? You were out with your family eating pizza. That's right. So it it, it it can really work, again, if it's done well. That's the kicker. Yeah. I think the also, the, the, I'm just going to add this here, is that um, a lot of people are afraid of losing that, that uh, client relationship that you do lose when you start adding on white label and tech partners because they're going to start working with your clients. That was one of my fears when I first started is, they don't know my people. They mm -hmm. don't know my people. And actually, through all the years of all the different uh, white label guys I've had, I actually liked how they worked with my clients differently than me. It, it was a little more like, oh, this person is a different kind of person than Lisa. Like, they're firm. <laughs> they're not a big pussy like <laughs> I am. <laughs> Where I would be like, okay, Mrs. Jones, let me just quickly do that for you right now. And without scheduled appointments, and because I was, you know, I would just do that stuff, and I liked, I liked getting it out of my hands a little bit. But now, like I said, I'm not gonna do that anymore. But I did enjoy that. So the last thing on the list was text to help you and your text. That's the other thing that um, I know a lot of texts want is their shops are just really too busy, and they just want someone to remote in and do that work and not talk to the clients at all. Right. Yeah. So that's right. like the zero communication just. We'll set you up and you can fix these things at night or on weekends or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, um, I'll I'll go back to something that I heard many, many years ago, and I heard it from a very good source. A, a certain big box store, at least years ago, uh, as far as their virus and spyware cleanups, if the computer could get online, they would put it on some sort of secure network and let, um, let Indian or Filipino techs. Oh, we know what company that is. Good up. gravy. That's oh, standard yeah. policy there. 
Yeah. And <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. And they're, it, it made financial sense for sure. Now what the final results were, Lord knows, but, um, to have someone that, that is, to have someone that can actually communicate with your client as an entity, as part of you, yeah, as, as part of your organization, that to me is actually more important than it, it's it's right up there with it. But it's probably a little bit more important than having an incredibly robust technical skill set. If yep. you have if you have someone that is competent and provides quality work, doesn't have to be the absolute best. But boy, if they can communicate and communicate well and have a, a dose of customer service skills, if they're yep. good at people being people facing, that's exactly what you want. And yep. that's one thing. I was at a I was at an event held by an IT marketing firm in Atlanta in January, and uh, one thing that the owner said while he was speaking um, was that he's discovered that uh, technicians that have service industry backgrounds, whether it's you know, food and beverage or, or hotel, any kind of hospitality or service industry background tend to really do well and scale well because they actually know how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is key. And, yeah. you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't build a company if we do this, that, that wouldn't have that as a core component. Yeah. Well, you know, and also I think that lots of people have, uh, being a technician is a little bit different. I think because you have to talk, troubleshoot your therapist. You have to understand everything. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it it can be, and I'll tell you. After eighteen years, I kind of reached a point a while back where I, you know, I, I resigned being a shrink. Um, yeah. I every once in a while we get a call um, from a client who doesn't is not so much interested in solving their problem as they are whining about it. Yeah. And. Nobody has the time of day, you know, for that. I'm no. interested in very proactive solutions. I would be, I would be one of those white label partners, Lisa. That's uh, firm, so to speak. That, yeah, firm, and but here very, I am. very polite. And here I am listening to the story for 20 minutes about their kids and their vacation, where these guys don't mess around with that. It's now, tech support. Yeah, I hear that. But now, if that's <laughs> if that's billable time at 169 an hour, then you know I might listen to a story you know what, about though? how Uncle Joe got drunk last week. You know what, though, Alan. Years ago, it, it was different when I was starting out because I knew all my clients through social media, mm-hmm. and it was very exciting times back then. So I'd get a client that'd be like, oh, Lisa, I met you through this other person, and they know you on LinkedIn. And I'd be like, oh, my God. And then we'd talk for an hour, and then I couldn't build them because we just bullshitted for an hour. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> right. God, right. here I am again. So so then I'd be like, okay, I guess our call was an hour and a half, so I'm only going to bill you, what, I think 30 bucks back then it was or whatever. And right. I'm like, well, thanks for the chat. <laughs> thanks well, for the hour-long chat. Well, I get that, and, and I'm very sensitive to it because we have, you know, we've had a yeah. storefront for many years. And one thing that, that I've seen people do from time to time is come in off the street and yep. want to chat with dispatch or the front desk person who's got scheduling and all kinds of other yep. responsibilities. And what they're doing is fishing for a free fix. Exactly. And we just don't, again, nobody has the time of day for that. So. I don't do that anymore either. No. All right, Alan. Well, anyway, so let's move on to the next topic, which is a little bit different. We're going to talk about uh, from a business owner standpoint that's considering getting white label, whether it be one of the companies out there that's still out there or <laughs> or <laughs> the one you're going to build, whatever. Let's talk about the benefits of white label from a business owner standpoint. And the first thing I'm going to say is that it's perfect for 
for people that don't want to deal with employees. Because employees are a lot of work and the overhead and, oh, my God, I could go on forever about that. I, I have, yeah, I have people on board now that have been with me for years and, and I treasure them. And I have also had, you know, uh, I've also had a technician who was on board with me for seven years and I thought I would retire with this person. And um, he did something that he said he would never, ever, ever oh, do. No. And he flipped over to the competition. I, I hired a uh, receptionist one time. Uh, who was phenomenal. I mean, the best ever, I thought, at the time that I'd ever had on the phones. She was incredible. She had her own color-coded system of prioritizing calls, and it was fantastic. And seven months into her employment, I find out that she misses work out of nowhere, no call, no show, because she's a paranoid schizophrenic that went off her meds the night before. Oh, my God, but she was so I, awesome. She was so awesome. I've been stolen from. I've been, you know... I've I've been through the ringer with employees. I've had an employee that I was putting through intensive Apple training for a solid week. I uh, spent well <laughs> many hundreds of dollars to get him through this. And the Thursday before the day he was to be done, he emails me and quits immediately with no notice at all. Oh, um, it's but then you know you get you get really 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 great people as well. I had a client in 2003. Uh, he's still a client, by the way. Uh, he told me right out of the gate, he said, well, you're going to hire somebody. You're going to expand. He said, the the hardest thing that you'll ever have is finding the right people. And I prayed that he was wrong and he was not wrong. Oh, no. He just wasn't. You know what? My favorite firing, which I don't know, the, the, the tech knows he was fired for, for whatever reasons. I said, I think that the I lost that big contract one year. It was a quarter million dollar contract. And so I had to start letting people go. And what happened was right before Christmas, I'm like looking on Facebook going, why is my tech talking about pot during the workday on Facebook? <laughs> then yeah. I kind of said, look, man. And I started noticing this tech was like adding, uh, adding my clients to his Facebook. I'm like, okay, uh -huh. a little friendly there on the side work probably. And I've known the guy for years, though, so I was like, whatever, it's not hurting business. So I actually said to him, though, okay, stop posting about pot during the workday. Okay, just stop it. And you know what? The next day I saw it again, but this time it said from mobile device. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I, I come, nice. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, well, you didn't say I couldn't use my phone. I'm like, I, I just said it work. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I fired him two, two more. Two weeks later, <laughs> I I had Done. a tech. I had a tech who um, he was the only tech I'd ever had that met his billing goal the first week he was on board, and he led my billing in all of 2007 by far. And two years later, he was I, he he was mixed up in all kinds of recreational activities. Oh, with leave it that way, and it was just it was a it was a terrible shame. And when I let him go, he tried for probably two months to, to make a go of it uh, yeah. on his own. And he was soliciting my clients, <laughs> I found out after the fact, which I had no respect for whatsoever. But um, he, he just couldn't hold himself together well enough to, to no. even get off the ground. So well, that was neither here nor there. My tech actually, after, after me closing the businesses and getting out of a lot of stuff, and people still called him because they had a cell phone from when he went outside. I was like, I don't even care. Take them all. <laughs> Honestly, I was to the point where I was starting to niche out. You know, I was all remote at that point. I was like, right. take those on sites. And then 
now two years, or God, it's three years later almost. I've niched out even more, so now I don't even care. I'm done. Right. You know, whatever. Right. All right, so the next the next uh, thing on the list was benefits of white label is no employees, and you get a team of techs with possible different levels of experience. Right. Which I like because not every tech knows every single thing. Uh, some techs love printers and troubleshooting modems and routers and all that stuff, and some techs are good at viruses. So, you know, if you get a team of people with that company, that's good for you because they hopefully will pass it over to the other people. You right. can hope. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, and it, along that line is if you are, if you are a small tech provider, it's just yourself, or maybe you have one or two guys and you're servicing, um, you know, a, a, an area of town or a small town, you know, ask yourself really, how often do those guys need a tier three tech exactly. that has every Cisco certification known to man? It, it's extraordinarily rare. So to hire someone with that level, just because someday you might need them makes no sense whatsoever. But no. to but to have someone with that capability mixed in as a part of what is essentially a retainer service mm-hmm. it makes all the sense in the world. Yep. Well, I, to me, it was nice always having a backup person because I just got tired of doing the virus removals because mm-hmm. they were changing so much. And it was just getting way too uh, just out of my level of interest. So it was nice for me to have that backfill of text that did that. Right. Um, the next thing is that generally with a white label partner, that once you figure out an agreement and all that, you do get an invoice once a month, and that is that's all you have to deal with. Lisa, I'm going to tell you if if no? I start if I start this company, nobody's getting invoices. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to they're charge gonna, them for something, they're gonna, right? They're, they're going to be on ACH automatic oh. debit. That's <laughs> um, no invoice. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna carry water for for a company that uh, that doesn't value us enough to, to yep. pay us on in a timely matter. I'm just no. that, that's just not something that I do. I don't do that with clients, and I don't expect vendors to do that with me. Gotcha. Um, with that said, um, <laughs> I don't know you hit you hit a nerve there. I, I know, I know. Um, but. You know, we would it would it would probably be along the lines of like I said a retainer model. Yeah. Um. We we're not. If if I have my way, we wouldn't be offering the service to everybody that is in the market for it. It it would it yeah. would honestly have to be the right fit. And we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at a core set of um of possible different um, integrations that mm-hmm. we would have as far as phone systems as far as PSA or RMM solutions that we would help support it would be it would be limited to start and and it would be the major ones and just you know kind of again we we would much rather be small and build it right and scale it appropriately than we would just try to make a whole lot of money out of the game yeah. it's just not me and it's not good business no let me tell you one thing i was going to talk about before this this uh, segment was um, and I kind of spaced off this paragraph here in my notes was that you got to remember that a white label company or a tech partner actually sets up their own policies and procedures. And mm-hmm. here's the, the downfall of me. <laughs> I've worked <laughs> with a lot of them. I've made them conform to me <laughs> and that's not the way to do it. You, you have to listen to them and say, do I fit into their process with maybe some minor adjustments, but really their onboarding process follows the, the, doesn't it, Alan? It follows the same rules for everybody to make it flow. 
And that's and th- that's <laughs> one thing. That's one thing that it that honestly, I mean, I'm still learning it. Uh, yeah. Processes are your best friend. And there are people in our industry that have this down to a science. Carl Palachuk is one. Um, yeah. Raj Goel in New York is another. Um, he has his, uh, what, first Fridays with Raj. And it's all about policies and how standardization of things has, you know, have revolutionized their businesses and what they do. And it took me a while to grasp it. And then one day I just kind of kind of finally realized it's really very freaking easy. You just itemize everything you do for everything. How you do anything is how you do everything and standardize it. Um, Essentially make it like McDonald's. This is how you make the cheeseburgers. This is how long you cook the fries. This is what you do. And once you do that, the efficiency goes absolutely through the roof and a true, you know, a help desk or a, a white label vendor of any kind that has that down uh, that's something that the smaller guys that don't have those things down can really learn a lot from. Yep. And you know what I took away from the last company that me and, uh, that we worked with that closed? I I had about a few days like you did, Alan, of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I was really like leaning right towards I'm just shutting off all tech support that I don't do myself. And that, that to me was I had to create a whole new process and policy for everything. So that meant that when – and mine was so simple. It, it was just so simple. Client calls in, I have a virus. I don't do it. Where do you live? I live in Minneapolis. I have a referral. Mm -hmm. Even my prepaid ticket clients, no more. I I, I just made a – and if they get mad, they're like, well, I paid you for this. Oh, well, you have to go somewhere else because I don't do that anymore, but I will give you awesome outlook support for those other hours you have on your prepay, but I'm not going to do that anymore. And that, to me, I had more people uh, since that other company. I don't have them anymore. I haven't been happier. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I, I get, I totally get that. Uh, yeah. one, one of my things about the company that, that you and I were, were both utilizing before that always threw me and I wasn't utilizing them long, mm-hmm. but when we onboarded with them, there was no operating agreement that was formalized and I couldn't quite understand what was going on. I mean, we got a, we got a sheet, a rate sheet, it was some of which was a little bit ambiguous and, you know, a standard SLA, which, um, was for the most part, I guess, adhered to, except in the last week or so. And there was nothing that I signed off on. I mean, it was almost like I just hired them and they started doing it. And then the other part of it that was very, very disconcerting to me was that they were deploying different software solutions for different clients. And that was evolving as, as the weeks went by without us knowing. And that I'm, Hey, I'm still a geek. I'm all about any any new technology. I'll vet it out. I'll look at it. If it brings value to the table yeah. or to a client, then <clears throat> it might be something that we elect to carry. But there needs to be it needs to be a collaborative process. That maybe needs to be on our next topic called the few tips, because these are things that we learned that other people need to know about. That when you sign up with them, there should be a contract and agreement on their end. And then what are they going to uh, support and service on the machines? What's the software? You're allowed to know that. And and you're right. I didn't know because I didn't pay attention all the time. But uh, I did notice that too. I saw a couple different variants of antivirus. And I'm like, well, I don't know what they do. I don't know what the person bought. I really don't know. But, you know, I mean, I didn't keep detailed track. But anyway... That's that's one of your tips, Alan. That that people need to know what when they buy the service, what are they going to be supporting, so you are aware of it. Because if you have to help them, you need to know. And that's and that's part of it. Yeah. I, 
like if with me if it, if I were providing the white label solution, I don't want to be. I would. I've already said that I'm not interested in pushing software. So you don't want tech um, support. That's we That's we right. would be right. We'd be tech support now. If if the if the IT provider that we are backing up deploys a solution that is that has a back-end console, such as Max Focus or Sophos Antivirus or a centralized control panel, we obviously would need access to that. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't go just kind of hunting and pecking around and, and trying to uninstall something that's ripped off. But that's got to be, I mean, if you're giving someone the keys to those part of your kingdom, that's got to be a part of a formalized agreement. Yeah. And that's what threw me about them. Yeah. They have a, there's a lot of things that we could talk about with that, but let's just move on yeah. to other stuff <laughs> because, I mean, I want to share our experiences that I think would benefit because I've had three companies and each one of them, you know, I learned different things about them and, and, and how my clients reacted and all those things. And uh, I needed them at the time, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of people are needing the service. So, so back to the list here, the few tips. There's a lot of cool stuff we're going to talk about now because this is stuff Alan really wants to talk about, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple things, and this is all in no order, just things I just randomly was thinking about when Alan and I talked about doing the show. So you want to interview these companies, right? Mm-hmm. So Alan, pretend, you know, like you have your, your perfect business set up and you're ready to start, you know, you're, you're ready to start marketing and start doing some soft new clients. You know, mm-hmm. people should interview you to find out, like, how fast are you with answering the calls? What's the hold time? That's the biggest mm-hmm. complaint from clients is, well, I tried calling last night and I was on hold for 15 minutes. Right. See? So then, you know, does the company have a quick um, leave a message, we'll call you back? How fast do they call people back? That's super important. It is. And those are all great yeah. questions. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things that one of the things that I would uh, ask back if presented with that question is, well, you know, your company, what are your SLAs, Mister IT provider? You know, you're considering us, but what are you guaranteeing your company? Um, I, I I saw an IT company recently that guaranteed five minute response time, which is an extraordinary SLA, five minutes for anything. Yeah, and. Um, I'll be very, very honest with you. I I called the owner and I said, you know, I'm I'm curious as to how you're guaranteeing this. You've got it all over your marketing materials. You got it all over your website. And I'm thinking there's some grand formula behind it. And he said, we just have the phone roll over to each phone until somebody's available to pick it up. (laughs) Wow. And it's always within five minutes. Nice. Yeah. yeah, All nice and dandy. Um, I believe believe that a successful – um, a successful white label help desk needs to be uh, multi-layered. I believe yeah. it needs it needs two layers. The one that we used before was direct technician. The phone would ring, the text would get it. I think there needs to be a triage or a buffer in between the actual tech work that the white label partner oh, would yeah. do and the client themselves. And you can I call agree. it you can call it answering service. You can call it receptionist. You can call it dispatching. You can call it whatever. But it would be a mechanism that's there to do solely that, to yeah. answer those calls. That would be really one of the first things that we would put in play. And then once we discovered the nature of the call, uh, we would route it to the proper 
mm-hmm. proper person, either using common sense or using, uh, well, you know, for the for example, ConnectWise has the ability to sort by uh, team and by certification sure. or talent. Um, if if we were to be supporting an entity, say in Oklahoma City. Um, and they they were serving small clients, residential clients, and someone called in and said, "Well, you know, uh, my internet's down." Yeah. And we and we asked them, you know, the dispatcher asked them, "Well, you know, it what what else can you tell me about it?" And the answer was, "Well, my power is out too." Oh, there well, you go. <laughs> well, you know, that, there's there's no reason to tie up a technician. To even address that call, yeah. that that buffer, that would be that the point of that buffer. So, having that gives us the ability to answer calls quicker. Um, again, yeah. it's, it would all be in development and figure out what people want at the right price point. That's the mm-hmm. other part of this. That that's the other real kicker. There are companies that do provide white label support for the small guy, and at the price point that that small guy is after, almost mm. always they're overseas solutions. And the business owner has to ask himself if that is something that he wants to put out there as a oh, part of no. himself. You just can't offshore. You just can't. Yeah. We, we can't, not in our world, because we already have enough people that are scamming our people that are offshore. It just is horrible, and we see it, it all the time. It is, and you are, I know there are some people in our industry that hate this term, you are the trusted advisor. And exactly. if you compromise that, that trust, whether it's with a light, white yeah. label partner or not, you're you're gonna you're gonna have to dig yourself out. Exactly. Well, you know what I, I did though um, when I got my business coach was the first thing he was like, "You got to get stuff off your plate, Lisa." And I and I was like, "You know, you're right." And I didn't want to with this white label partner give them my phones. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, that's on the list too is the eight hundred number deal. But I decided not to give them any phones. I would have the clients call them and they assigned me a phone line, but I did not have that on my marketing. <clears throat> there was no connection to me with it. And, and, uh, to the time I was with them, I didn't have, uh, many problems w- with that, by the way, but I did get, um, an answering service. Now the service just to let folks know is that this service alone saved me a lot of uh, time. I pay mm-hmm. between three and $400 a month. They are open 24 seven. They're lo- they're located here in Las Vegas, and these these people are so professional. It's sick. They they I've I've actually heard recordings of my clients like that are new to me. I don't even know them. Kind of get upset and rough with them. Like I want to know what she does, you know. And they are so <laughs> professional, and their tone is monotone, but a really nice, pleasant. And to me, that three to four hundred dollars a month I pay is gold. Mm-hmm. I get emails. I don't have to. I get the email right away. I can call people from my phone. It's all just seamless. But you know, that's you know something that that's just an answering service. Right. They're, I don't. I didn't. Now they were going to try to schedule appointments. Like back to what you were saying about that triage. And mm-hmm. I tried it for three days, and I already lost two appointments because they couldn't get the time zones right. Oh no 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 no. I said stop that. Stop. Yeah. No more. No more appointments because they all thought they were. I was getting calls from Vegas. And I was like, oh, goodness, no. (laughs) So, no, no, no. Okay, so the next thing on the list is the interviews. And then uh, I really recommend getting some testimonials from your white label partner. And if they, I feel if they're running a legitimate business, they should be able to offer some testimonials from a client or offer a phone testimonial. How do you feel about that? I would never in any capacity engage with a vendor that that was client facing especially that could not or would not provide references. Mm-hmm. 
period. Yep. Well, I think that uh, there's a difference between like calling the real clients of our clients, but talking to another technician to say, yes, I've been using this company for this amount of time and I've known them for this, known them for mm-hmm. that. That's what I've heard out there is a lot of them don't like doing that. And I'm like, you absolutely should get a testimonial. Check it out. Talk to other people. You, I don't – it's, it's not fathomable to me why – you wouldn't insist on that as an IT business owner. It's just, yeah. I think that you would have to. It's part of doing your due diligence and quality control to understand what it is you are truly passing along yeah. to your clients. I mean, look, there are there are companies such as Datto that are channel only, and mm-hmm. they're channel only for a reason. They're they're incredible channel partners um, because they don't sell direct, and that's fine. But if you're an IT company considering carrying data and you have questions about the product, they'll they'll give you references all day long. Yeah. They'll they'll yeah. whether they're in your competitive area or not. That's that's just they don't even think about it. Sure, yeah. let me tell you I, there's a guy, you know, 70 miles down the road that's got this incredible success story of how he rescued a business with it. I'm going to give him your number and I mean that kind of stuff happens every day. Yeah. That's part of doing business in yeah. my opinion. So yeah. There's my two cents. Good. Mine too. I agree. I actually have a testimonials page on my website that I just had redone, and it looks pretty nice. And uh, my clients sometimes, <laughs> God, they want to actually talk to other clients of mine, which I, I don't like that. But I have one sweet, awesome guy. I think he's down in actually uh, Tennessee also. And mm-hmm. he said, Lisa, I will talk to any of your new potential clients. Don't even worry. Give my phone number. Email me. Tell, tell me they're calling. And and he has gotten some calls from me. But the other thing is this lady called in and wanted to talk to somebody. And she started calling people on my testimonials list. Because I usually <laughs> use their real phone. I use their real name and real business because I want them to appear legit. And right. she emailed me and said, I want to buy four hours. All of your testimonials I called. <laughs> Loved you. I was like, you called? Like I, I don't even know how. That to me just seems a little weird. <laughs> and we'll see. I'm I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side of the fence with that. We get maybe once or twice a year, we get someone in the storefront, and I might happen to be there, and they come in and they say, okay, um, they look at they look at the pricing and they say, why should we use you over, uh, you know, ABC computer. Yeah. And I used to answer that question at length. And then it occurred to me one day that if I were going in a place and I asked them the same question, the response from the owner or the response from a manager, it wouldn't be meaningless to me, but I'd want to know from the people that they're serving. Yeah. So um, I have – I gladly uh, refer clients to other clients no. to talk about – um, you know how we've how we've helped them how how we've uh, there you know for example we we support an eye care center uh, that was absolutely devastated in the flood in 2010 and we had of course everything offsite um, we had their data to to them weeks before they even had a facility to reopen in oh, wow. and that got us a lot of really really glowing referrals that we didn't even yeah. have to ask for so. Well, I'm glad the lady did it, but I didn't think she'd actually do it. Yeah. I was like surprised because I'm like, I told all my clients on my testimonials, I want real names, real picture, real business to prove I'm not Kathy K from Cincinnati, Ohio, right? 
So I fake name. Yeah. And she was like, I called him. I'm like, oh, my God. Anyway. Okay, so the next thing you want to do is verify the business. Now, I guess I'm just saying do it. I don't even know how to do it. I mean, I've really, you know, I've always just known the people. But you should verify them. Check out their, um, make sure, uh, what would you recommend, Alan? Do you, something with the business, with the city, with the state, to make sure they're, I don't think our, our fellows had problems with that, but that's just something you want to do. Verify them. Yeah, I would, um, I mean, Better Business Bureau is, I, I don't want to say it's useless, but, yeah. but uh, you know, the, the default grade is A. <laughs> I, have an, I have an A plus, Alan, please. Right. <laughs> I'm A plus. <laughs> so, I mean, the number one thing that I would do is, is again, check out the bona fides. Yeah. Now, I will say that with the vendor that, that I engaged in for my white label support, the last question that I asked him and the last call before we signed up was, I, you know, don't take offense, but I've got to ask you, is your business stable? You're not going to just shut the door one day unannounced. And he laughed heartily and just assured me up one side and down the other that yeah. it was solid, stable, and was going to be around for a very long time. And we were going to be a part of his growth. And three weeks later, he was gone. Oh wow! I didn't know you were only there for three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks was oh. it, and he was and he was belly up. And so yeah. I would. I mean, you're you're not you're not going to be a shareholder in a white label company, so you can't go asking necessarily for financials. No. no. But you you know you might just want to just do again a client check, uh, check with um, check with their local. Yeah. You know, authorities make sure everything is is yeah. on the up and up you know something that's really freaking easy to do is when that white label vendor provides you uh, an address um a, a billing address a mailing address or whatever jump on google street view and see what their facility looks like that's the list <laughs> there's a few just a few more things to knock out so one is sure. again don't make your own rules make sure that you learn their rules and try to comply within that you'll have better experience Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I was kind of like, you know, um, sometimes a little like, I want it my way. Right. And the, and the text would go, okay, Lisa, we'll do it your way. And then they'd start doing it my way. And then they'd change because they're like, you're not conforming. And I'd be like, but I want it my way. They'd be like, mm -hmm. you can't because now we're changing it because you're the one thing, one, you're one of those things that don't belong here. Like, you know, the song from Sesame Street. <laughs> and I, and I, I just learned that I just can't have my way. And I also didn't like it my way because that actually caused more confusion. So just remember, follow the rules. Um, again, the 800 number thing is really important. So if they give you an 800 number, make sure you control it or you have access to it after in case something happens. Absolutely. Oh my God. That, I've, I've lost two 800 numbers now. And you know what? I didn't fight it, but I was like, it sucks because they own it and they can do what they want with it. Lisa, true story. And this is not so much uh, a control thing as it was an accident on the part of our telco provider. But in 2006, we moved out of our first mouse calls location into a larger facility. Our provider at the time made a mistake and did not transfer our 800 number to the new facility. We did not know this. Because most everything we do is local. We did not know this for about two months. And then as it happened, we had a client, uh, a law firm here in town, who, and his mother-in-law did the book. She lived in Paducah, Kentucky, quite a, quite a ways from here. And she would, um, she would remote in and 
do whatever. And when she needed to call us, she would use that 800 number. And again, we had no idea there was anything wrong. And she called that 800 number to get support and got a phone sex chat line. Oh, my God. Call our, that eight, our 800 number got converted to a phone sex chat. Oh, that's horrible. And, um, yeah, if you if you've got that you've invested in printed yeah. materials marketing materials it's on your website you better yeah. have a good hold of it yeah and you know what uh, that's why i just keep my the the last white label guys um they didn't get the any of my phone numbers ever rang to them it was just strictly to my answering service and i took care of it but mm-hmm. I actually it slimmed down a lot of stuff anyway so it wasn't like a lot of extra work uh, okay, what's left here? Uh, make sure you check out their contract, their agreements, their support options, uh, their costs for services. I know a lot of them have different costs. They have a monthly fee. Then they got, I mean, this is from my experience. There's usually um, like three or four tiers of, of uh, support you can buy. At least right. with the three I've worked with, you can buy this, you can buy that, or you can do that. And make sure it works out for you and what you need. Uh, because sometimes you might be overpaying and sometimes you are underpaying and you need more because you get reliant upon them or whatever. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And then make sure like that um, you have an emergency plan, which is the day you decide to sign up with them. What's your emergency plan? If they hate to say it, close shop in one day. And there's other things that could happen. The owner could have, you know, um, the owner could have personal problems. They could do other things. Who knows? You know, uh, or how many how many locations do they have? If they're in one geographic area and something happens in that geographic area, exactly. like the flood the happened flood. to us, yeah, what yeah. redundancy do they have to continue their support? That's service? right. And I also just think in that emergency plan is how do you get any information that they have that you might need? And that was one of the problems that I didn't have a stroke over it, but <laughs> it just kind of was like it would have been nice. But I didn't, so I had to right. go and hunt for the the next few days, find out, and luckily I didn't have that many clients on their service plan. So really, honestly, Alan, <laughs> you'd be surprised. I it was actually a lot cooler than I thought during that because I've been through some serious, serious tech stuff in the past eight years with people who worked for me and everything else, and I'm like, this to me was just getting over this drama. Right. Wasn't that bad. But it would have been nice to have an emergency plan. So, hey, you know, and anybody like you thinking about starting this business, let's say something happens to you, Alan, you got to send your people their stuff, you know. And, and a lot of people, if they close a business, they don't give you two weeks' notice. Or better yet, rather than us having to send that, they'd have access to it anyway. Well, there yeah, you go. In, even in better. Some, in some form or fashion. Even, even better. It could be It could be something, I mean, if you want to go just ridiculously simplistic, it could be something as simple as Google Docs or a shared I did. or some I stuff. did have some, some of that information, though. That's what helped me piece it together. Gotcha. So, okay. So then I think that kind of covers everything. I'm sure that if anybody's been listening, they've got uh, – a lot of questions or maybe other things. You can email Alan. Because <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That, that, that works for me. I think it's it's the handoff now, Alan. So the thing is, just remember, folks, that Alan is considering this business because he just, you know, he's interested. And uh, if you guys want to have any, you know, ideas for him or interested in working with him, he's a great guy. Um, go ahead and email him. Alan, what's your email? Uh, it's Alan, A-L-A-N, at mousecallsonline.com. Um, yeah. One thing that I will say that that we 
we intend to do is just gather a list of people that may be interested in the service and then oh. uh, collaboratively craft a, uh, a survey to send out yep. just to get an idea of what price points are, what people are looking for, what, you know, these things that we've talked about today, what the hours, are, what hours are needed. Yeah. And we'd sort of build it out from there, yeah. you know, if we move forward. Kind of get a focus group. That's what I was telling our business right. coach. I mean, yes. of course, you know, it's funny as Al and I shared the same business coach. So the, the first week this happened, we both were calling him and, you know, dealing with our own dramas. But I was like, yeah, you guys got to have a focus group because if you're going right. to do it, do it Right. Yeah, and a lot exactly. of them are built without any knowledge of how it's supposed to be done. And you've got the resources. Like, I mean, you just talked for an hour and twenty minutes about stuff. We can go for another four hours probably. I mean, there's a lot of I don't think people would listen that long. No, but, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm actually this is like forty minutes past my normal show, but you know, it's a, it's it's I think a good value to let people listen to our stories, what we've been through, and like I said, I'm gonna close with you know I didn't want to talk too negative about anybody because I'm. <laughs> I blame a lot of it on me, all my problems. I'm oh, I'm likewise. I'm not the easiest girl to work with. <laughs> I've got some <laughs> haters out there, Ellen. <laughs> so, all good. Yeah, it's all good. You know. So anyway, uh, let's close up. You got anything you want to say, Ellen, to the to the folks here before we close the show? Uh, well, to you, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I was very very honored and humbled uh, for you to ask me to come on board. And this has been a blast. Uh, and if I can ever contribute anything at any time, I would happily do so. Um, I'm at your disposal. Oh, great. Um, to to all the all the listeners, um, I will tell you this: I've made it's eighteen in eighteen years. I've made a ton of mistakes. Um, I've had a lot of successes. But boy, have I stepped in some landmines and I, I get where you're coming from, you know, maybe at some point, um, if I thought that I could help you avoid one or two of those, um, I can be, <laughs> I've, I tended bar many, many years ago. I can still kind of perform that function, <laughs> a good ear, That's right. you know, and, um, you know, I'm, again, we're, we operate out of Nashville, Tennessee at mousecallsonline.com. That website may be changing content a bit, uh, very soon as well. Um, but, uh, again, I, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for oh, listening. No problem. And, uh, I appreciate it. No problem, Al. I'm glad to have you. All right, folks, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsor app river and Podbean for hosting. And if you have a story to share, want to be a guest on the show, tell me any stories about, uh, what you enjoyed about this show with Alan. You can email me at Lisa at call that girl biz. Reminder, you can check out my shows at callthatgirl.biz slash office365. All right, that's it, folks. See you next week.